like trees walking. Hello, Mike. Oh, hey, Dave. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, you were just making me laugh off air so much that I had one of those. Have you ever had one of those experiences where I've drank a lot of coffee and someone makes you laugh really hard? And, and you, this is embarrassing, but you just you kind of wet yourself a little bit. Have you ever had one of those experiences? <laughs> you know what? Uh, it's funny you should bring that up. <laughs> I, I have not. I have not. Oh, that's one. That's just, just a little, folks. If you're wondering why I said that, it's just a, there's about eight people out there who will kind of get the inside joke. It's always good on a podcast. Have we have. sank to this level already yes. that we're doing inside jokes for people <laughs> who can't hear it? No, this explain what the uh, explain what the show is. The show is a we're, it's a podcast. I don't know if it's a show or a podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about the big issues, the big questions, uh, the big issues of life, existence, morality, philosophy, theology, uh, and culture. We do so from an unabashedly uh, Christian perspective, but we welcome all comers, everyone to eavesdrop, uh, be a part of this conversation, and I am encouraged to say that looking at some of the reviews that that, that we've gotten um, and some interactions that I've had with folks, that we're reaching, we're achieving that goal. Lots of people or several people contacting me saying, hey, you know what, I'm not a Christian, I'm not a believer, but I really enjoy listening to you guys talk about that stuff. So thank you, everyone, who, if you fall in that category... I am so happy and, and honored um, that you're doing that. So, so these you. phantom people that we have been asking to listen to, it, they actually do listen to it. This is good to know. Exactly. They are, it's like... They are not phantoms. They are not phantoms, nor, are, nor are they a menace. They are not a phantom menace. <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. Now explain who you are, and while you're doing that, I'm going to drop your microphone down slightly. Okay, so you, I sound better or something like that? Yeah, you're a little echoey right okay, now. Okay, well, I'll tell you everyone what who I am. I yeah, they'll, you'll... Now, listen, well, you're, you're out there, and this is my engineering sense. Now, you heard a little bit of echo on Dave, and as I adjust his microphone, you'll hear less of it. Yeah, so see if it just, improves. So, so as I'm talking, Ready? see what and happens, folks. go. All right, so Mike is going to fix it. So I am... I'm a pastor. I am Mike's pastor, and so that's the perspective that I bring to the table. One who... Uh, Week in and week out is uh, shepherding, <laughs> shepherding the flock that has been entrusted to me. Mike is one of my sheep. You can refer to him as a sheeple. Um, that's completely wake up, sheeple. <laughs> so how did that work? I feel like that is. I a feel little like it's much much less. Better. So echoey. yeah, yeah. And yeah, so you're talking above the axis of the microphone. Mm, mm. Uh, Dave took it upon himself before the thing to readjust all my settings. A little bit insulted it little by it, but I let it slide. I let it slide, but it was low. Uh, Okay. That's all right. All right. Now I'll explain who I am. Uh, oh, no, you already did that. All right. What the, and, the, and today we are going to talk about a big and serious issue. The last two episodes that we did. Yeah. 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 That, the, the and they are pain. shows, aren't yeah. they? We're yes. presenting things. So yeah. we're, it's a show. We are showing demonstrations. Yeah. It's not like we're Judy Garland. We don't go out and dance and sing and stuff like that. But it, but it is a presentation. Certainly. It is presented material. Correct? Yeah. Where did the name show come from? I don't know. Show show business. Hey, they don't call it show fun. <laughs> it's a business day. Let's get to work. <laughs> anyway. With that that being said. Yeah, we, so we've had some serious topics, and we're going to keep that rolling today with a serious topic. But here's another thing. This was a uh, uh, something I wanted to do. I felt like I talked a little much about myself in the last two episodes. I'm not impossible. saying too much. I'm not impossible, saying too much. Impossible, Mike. I'm just saying that, you know, I, I, I don't like to focus on myself. So I'm going to put that beam directly on you, Pastor Dave. And so in the second half, we're going to learn a little bit more about Pastor Dave. Mm -hmm. 
But uh, <laughs> you sound so the, disappointed. We can, uh. <laughs> we'll see the listening, the, the stats on the listening chart. And oh, they're going to go up. Are you kidding me? Drop when no, we this is going to be a boon. A okay. boon. How many reviews do we have now? Like, oh, we're at 93. So, folks, we want to get to 100. This is my pre appeal appeal. Get us to 100. We got 93 re- or ratings, 93 ratings. Add the reviews, but give us a rating. We can get to 100 with your help. I saw a show was recommended to me that I had never heard of before, and I saw that it had 1,500 ratings and was like, you know, hovering around the 4.5 stars or whatever. Yeah, I, that is a, that is a dream that we can't even like. Is how does that happen? Who? What's happening? I, I I'm not going to say the name of it because then if it I might say drive it, traffic to them. <laughs> but but I was shocked, shocked. I say. Oh yeah, I know. I and I know which one. Now I know which yeah, one you're talking. Yeah. yeah, and it's of a similar like ilk or genre. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's within I'm, the same genre. I'm not going to lie. I'm totally jealous. I don't know how this, it's crazy. this person pulled this off. So yeah, it's a similar show. So I guess what I'm asking is, please go destroy all shows that aren't us and lift us up and magnify us, please. Because it's it's much easier to tear things down than to build them up. <laughs> I've found in life, right? It very much is. Now, uh, all right, we'll learn about Pastor Dave a little more later. But for now, we have a big topic, and we have to get serious, because this is a serious topic. This, this is, is what we promised. Serious. And uh, uh, Dave, Pastor Dave, take the reins on this. Go. I, will. I, I, I wanted to bring this one to the table. This one is in the news again, but this is something that's I think, essentially hardly fallen out of the news uh, from a, a global perspective in the last, I don't know, it's been 15, maybe 20 years almost. I mean, this this is this has been a long time um, where it's been where it's been front and center or at least uh, uh, in the collective uh, conscience. And this this topic is going to be the the clergy sexual abuse scandal specifically, particularly uh, we can generalize a little bit, but uh, particularly in the uh, Roman Catholic Church. This just surfaced again uh, a couple weeks ago with the uh, story, I think it was in the Washington Post, about the now he's ex cardinal uh ex arch I mean, he 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 basically resigned i guess you're a cardinal till you die you can't vote but it's sort of an honorary title that you get to keep um until you die so this is uh, theodore mccarrick who was exposed as a a, a serial abuser of 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 kids and uh and of seminarians and so uh basically you know this is a, a cardinal i mean this is someone who he's got a red hat you know, he goes to the uh, Vatican and and he can, you know, participate in the, when he was not, I think he's too old now, but before that he could participate in the election of the next pontiff, you know, the Supreme Pontiff. Oh, wow. Is he an American? Church. He American is American. Adult. Okay. Yep. Yep. So Uncle Teddy is what he was sort of, now it's just disgusting to oh, know that yeah, he was that's... known as that. So, and I mean, he, you read these harrowing details of his relationship, a particular relationship he had with the first... Uh, once he was ordained a priest, the first kid that he baptized, he had a particular fixation upon this child, and um, and 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 as this was a young boy and then a young man, uh, he continued uh, this this abusive relationship with this person, and you see sort of the havoc that this, I mean, the horrible uh, carnage that this, uh, you know, inflicted upon this person's life, and it just makes you disgusted. And what's even what's the particular wrinkle I think that makes this even worse is. McCarrick was, uh, he became kind of the face. There's this, in 2002, there was this famous meeting of the the bishops in the United States uh, called the Dallas meeting. They came out with this statement basically talking about there's going to be a new 
posture uh, towards abuse uh, in the um, in 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 the church, and so in the Catholic Church, and so McCarrick was kind of the spokesman for this, and so he was articulating, you know, what the reform, this new sensitive approach towards those who had been abused, and uh, you know, he was going to lead the reform efforts, and here he himself was, you know, speaking as someone who had a long and sordid history of of of, of abusing folks, and so. Um, I know that this is, you know, when we talk about a challenge for people's faith, it's saying, well, how can, you know, here is this person who is represented as in Catholic theology, you know, he's a successor to the apostles. And so what do you do that? What do you do when, um, you know, the the structure of the church, I mean, here it's basically, it was an open secret that at least he had this reputation for um, inappropriate relationships with seminarians, kind of grooming them and abusing them and sleeping in bed with them and, you know, sort of this really icky, creepy behavior that he was engaging oh, this with. Was, this, this was known. Oh, this I was an not, open secret. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. yeah. This, was, this was sort of like everyone, this was reputationally, you know, um, kind of like the, the Harvey Weinstein thing, right? Where uh, everybody said, oh, well, everyone in, you know, everyone in Hollywood knew this or he had this reputation as like this, you know, creep, but no one ever did anything about it. it I right. think it's very analogous. Um, it's analogous to that. And so, uh, you know, what does, what do you do? I mean, how can, how can, um, I mean, although this, I'm not a Roman Catholic, I'm not a part of the Roman Catholic church, you know, what can the, what can we say, you know, as Christians to a church that's, you know, basically aiding and abetting, you know, pedophiles and abusers and, and all this, all this sort of thing, you know, how can, how can the church possibly speak with any credibility on anything? And what do we do? What, you know, all of us, broadly speaking, Christians, how do we, how do we respond to this? I, I, there is, I think sackcloth and ashes is one or just repentance. I think one of the, uh, one of the most, important things to say is, or one thing that comes to mind is that this critique of, I mean, it's not like, you know, so it's always, it, all these situations always get presented as like, well, it's just a few bad apples, you know, a few bad apple priests or whatever, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But that's does not hold a lot of water when you see that, every, you know, this is a very powerful person rising the ranks, everyone to some degree, you know, lots of people to some degree or another knew about this. And so in some sense, the system itself was was rotten to the core. And the abuses of power uh, within the ranks of bishops, this is a really old critique that that's one of the foundational critiques of Protestantism that basically fomented the Protestant Reformation was the corruption of these, you know, princes of the church, right? Uh, and, and you know, in the medieval, in the late medieval and then into the early, you know, in the refer into the reformational era, I mean, these quite literally, you know, positions of power within the church were, you know, associated with all sorts of earthly power. You know, you would get money and land and, you know, so like in that era, critiques of the, there was sort of a different tone of, you know, you could see very easily the worldly abuses. I mean, Martin Luther thought basically, man, if only the Pope, you know, if only the Pope knew all of the horrible things that these bishops were doing, you know, surely he would do something about it. And I think just the the um, people who are attracted to systems of influence and power and control over people and their careers, those are extremely 
dangerous uh, within within the church, and and they've continued to be so. So I think a sort of a system of uh, uh, placing that much power in an individual's hands over the lives, careers, everything, everything else, like I, that's the sort of Protestant in me br- very much bristles at that and says that um, when we have those sort of systems sets, set up of uh, putting that much power and control and influence in someone's hands and also the kind of holiness that we ascribe to that person just on behalf of their office, um, that is rife, rife, rife for abuse. And so the question is, where, where as a as a Protestant coming more from the kind of reformed end of things, I go, well, there is a, um, a belief in the depravity of humanity and the corruptibility of the human being that you just don't put that much power and control in one person's hands. And so I would say when we're, when we're thinking about the church, that's a, a huge, huge danger is, is giving people that much power control and kind of unquestioning a lot of times um, influence or thinking that just in lieu of who they're supposed to be, they're going to do the right thing uh, to shift it a little bit from the Roman Catholic uh, realm, sort of. It, it does overlap in my own personal experience, but I know that, you know, I have had to hold uh, someone to account for, um, you know, grossly unethical behavior. And this was not new behavior that I was finding. This was behavior I was finding out that this person had been engaged in four years in the context of a ministry setting. And when I held that person to account, um, they were sort of able to just kind of slip <laughs> You know, they hadn't done anything illegal, just grossly unethical and unbefitting of a Christian leader. And this person kind of just slipped through the cracks and other people in other situations who were working with this person, you know, it was just too, it would have been too hard or too costly for them to do anything about it. And so I think, um, I, I just think the other discouraging thing is that people doing the right thing is hard. And so, um, you know, we, 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 we have to, as as leaders within the church, how do you test someone's character to know that they're going to do the right thing when doing the right thing is hard? I, I don't know how you find out about that in advance, Mike, you know? Yeah, it is. It is very tough. And as you were talking about this, one question rose to mind because I've encountered this a lot of the, the people who have either been in contact with some harm from the church, not, you know, not the Roman Catholic Church, any church. Who have been in contact with any kind of harm, whether it harmed them, you know, mostly as a child. I'm mm-hmm. talking about. I'm not talking about that particular kind of thing. Well, what do we do after that? When the, the, it's it's clear and it's a natural response to go, "Wow, I was harmed by this thing that is, you know, Christ, broadly speaking, Christianity. It's harmed me. It was one of the worst things in my life. Uh, they did X, Y, or Z. They were hypocrites. They were, didn't protect me." And now I'm walking away from faith. How do we then approach those people and how do we restore that relationship and, and tell them that, look, though this this is a human institution. There's another institution instituted by God himself, which is, you know, perfect and and eternal and all of that. How do you do that? I think that you, um, yeah, that you have, I mean, I think that if you're going to invite someone back into the church or commend to them, you know, participation in the church, we have to be able to, you know, th- though the the true church uh, is this, you know, in, in invisible reality, you know, that that all who belong 
um, all who belong to God through Christ, uh, you know, um, that this is the true church is invisible. It's not equal. It's not the empirical reality of the people who gather in every church all over the world or who have been baptized, however you want to define it, um, that, that there better be an empirical body, a physical body that we feel comfortable at least inviting that person into where they're going to be safe um, and that, 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 there, you're not going to have to worry about this sort of same thing repeating itself again. I mean, I think that the the church as human institution, look at all of, uh, I think one of the striking things is as the clergy sexual abuse scandals unfolded is you just look at all of these massive institutions in particularly in American life where basically kids get abused and it was kind of done with impunity. So in multiple, you know, school systems, public school systems across this country, this same kind of thing has happened, um, you know, has happened to children. Uh, within the Boy Scouts, this same kind of thing has happened. And so uh, there's <laughs> there's almost no human institution where adults are having interactions with children uh, of the last, let's say, 50 or 60 years where this kind of thing hasn't happened for whatever reason that is. I, I don't know. I don't know if this was going on forever and it just be- came to attention um, before or or what was happening, you know, in the in the post nineteen, you know, post World War II America, I I have no idea, uh, but I can say that you know, just as those other institutions, um, which you know promote a, a public good like public education, well, these systems have basically protected abusers and failed the kids and failed to live up their, to their mission. You know, no one is walking away from the mission of education you know, uh, or the mission of mentoring youth. It's just to say that these uh, institutions have failed and need to be reformed or maybe in some case, you know, dismantled and rebuilt in some in some other way. But uh, it's not to, to defend the church, but to say everyone else is doing this, but to just say that um, I would hope that we wouldn't lose a good uh, in general on behalf of the specific instantiation of people doing something horrible with that, something that should be a, a good. And we see this sort of across a whole host of different, uh, different sectors um, of public life and public institutions. Yeah. And, and, you know, thankfully for us, we always have the word of, of Christ and the, the Bible itself, which obviously strictly prohibits all of this stuff. So it's like, you know, you, if you tell someone to go out, hey, would you go out and, and feed feed that neighbor, the neighbors, he's home alone, shovel his walk and give him lunch, and the person goes over and murders him and burns his house down. It's like, look, that's not what I told you no. to do. And so this should not implicate uh, the word of God or any institution. These are human beings. I mean, Christ is, you know, his harshest you know, teaching basically, well, one of them is reserved for someone who would, you know, do any harm to any children. He says, basically, yeah. it would have been better for that person if they had had a millstone. And a millstone is, I've been to Israel, I've been to uh, Capernaum, which is uh, the Jesus' kind of home base on the Sea of Galilee. And there's a ancient uh, milling, uh, mill, milling station there. And millstones are these huge, heavy, like donuts, huge, heavy stones with a circle in the middle. And he's saying, basically, it'd be better for that. You know, like hundreds of pounds have someone basically tie that around your neck and throw yourself, <laughs> go throw yourself yeah. in the lake. It'd be better for that to happen to you than for you to do any harm um, to one of these little ones. And so Jesus's uh, heart for God, which is <laughs> reflective of God's heart for children, um, is I don't think the church has taken that warning, that word seriously enough. And, uh, you know, uh, I mean, 
woe, woe unto these bishops, you know, these shepherds of the flock or any person um, who represents themselves as a Christian, as a leader, as a minister of the gospel who has harmed, uh, done harm to, to children or any vulnerable person in this way. Um, they are going to be held to account. And aside from some incredible repentance or act of God's mercy and grace, uh, you know, it would have been better for them to go jump in in, in yeah. the lake with that tied around there. I mean, that is a very, that's a very, very, very hard word, yeah. which is, again, I think where it reminds us of, we want a God who actually cares about this stuff and judge, we want a judgmental, wrathful, vengeful yeah. God when it comes to this stuff. I do at least, um, because it is the effect of, of, abusing vulnerable people and including children is just so horrific and awful that it cries out to heaven for God to do something about it. All right. Wow. This is hard and serious stuff, but important to talk about. Thank you. What, any uh, final words on this? Any wrap up? No, uh, my, my admonition would be to anyone who considers himself, who's a leader um, in any kind of church context is uh, do the right thing instead of the easy thing. And, you know, the reason people don't speak up, uh, people who've been victimized don't speak up, the reason that people who find out about this stuff don't do anything is because it's hard. Um, it You know, you have to start talking about things that people that are taboo that you would never want to talk about, that you would never want to deal with. We all want to think that, you know, basically uh, people who would abuse kids are, mon- you know, they're these monsters who you just know by looking at them, right? This is a horrible, monstrous, terrible, abusive person, you know, the drooling sort of ghoul. Uh, and these are people who you know and like and are friends with and might even be related to or love. And so, uh, but do, do the hard thing. Take, take the word of Christ in scripture seriously and do not aid, abet, or participate um, in anything that could be construed as, as helping little ones, vulnerable ones, be uh, harmed and abused because you too will be held to account in the same way. So if you're a Christian leader, the onus, the responsibility is on you to do the right thing and the hard thing. And I cannot I cannot stress that enough because I have seen with my own two eyes people who knew better not doing anything and yeah. just letting someone get away with it. And it fills me, I can't tell you the level of disgust and anger that that continues to fill me with to this day. I, uh, this is, uh, you'll see at the end of this, this is not a humble brag because this is one of my failings. But I used to tell my kids, like, uh, if you see somebody being a bully or doing something, you know, people in, you know, in positions where they're being harmed by others. If you step out in front of that, you will never regret it, but you will always regret not doing it. I, re- I remember a specific incident where uh, there was a, a nerdy guy in my class who was being harassed and having his, you know, he was selling band candy. This is probably a thing that people of a certain age will remember where you had to raise money for the band. And some guy like stole all of his candy and was like eating it in front of him and mocking him. And uh, and I was standing there and I knew both of them. And, and then I just joined in with the crowd. And I'm like, I would still wake up when I was, you know, like as much as two years ago would wake up going, ah, like having a nightmare about not standing up for them, just going like, what are you doing? Stop this, you know, and. And that regret is like seared into my memory. And just think of, and that's, you know, a relatively small incident. Uh, think about standing oh in front gosh. of and not doing anything about a great evil. Think about like history and so when you were in a position to do it. So in every position you're in, 
do it. I bet you won't regret it. You may suffer consequences, but you still have to do it. You will. Otherwise, you're in trouble. You're millstone, baby. The millstone. Get ready. Yeah. Get, get your neck ready. That's right. All right. Let's uh, take a little break. And then we come when we come back, something maybe a little lighter. We'll find out. Maybe a little darker. Who knows? <laughs> Who we're knows? going to we're going to have a little interview with Pastor Dave, and we'll be back right after this. Hey everyone, uh, Pastor Dave here. Thank you, thank you for listening to this. Uh, we hope that you find these conversations uh, to be substantive and uh, provoke you in your thinking. Um, Mike and I want to continue to talk about and tackle, you know, these hard issues, whether they be, you know, issues uh, of, of the difficulties of life and 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 corruption, scandal, plaguing things like the church or struggles like suicide. We want to talk about those hard things. We want to talk about the hard intellectual questions like evil, uh, the devil, the existence of God. And uh, we continue to do that because we hope that, uh, though we enjoy talking about them with each other, that you find these conversations to be beneficial for your own thinking and understanding um, of this world. And so if you like it and you haven't yet, could you please go to Apple Podcasts and uh, rate us and review us? As I said earlier, we're very close to 100. It would be so wonderful if we could get over the edge. Uh, famously, Mike is now off of Twitter and his Twitter handle at Michael J. Nelson has been taken over by someone selling handbags. So if you want to support that person by buying a handbag, it's not going to Mike, but uh, I'm sure they would appreciate it. You can still find me at David underscore Berge or at LTW Pod. Uh, you can also get all the old episodes um, uh, at LTW Pod, uh, like treeswalkingpod.com. And uh, yeah, yeah, we appreciate all the love, all the support, all the communication. Um, it means the world to us, and that's why we do it. We do it, uh, we do it for you. So let's get back to the show. You can learn more about me, or you can stop listening and uh, wait for the next episode to come out. All right, thanks. Bye. <laughs> All right, and we are back after a very serious first half of Like Trees Walking. Very heavy. Hey, but that's what we do, and that's what we should do. And we encourage you all to think about these things. Now, um, now let's get uh, let's get into the mind. Let's get it. No, let's get into the soul of a David Burvey. Bergy. Ber- yes, Burvey. What's learn, your name again? Please learn my name. <laughs> no. I don't. Please. I don't need to. I don't. I don't really remember it. Don, look. Uh, this was. Uh, you probably remember this series. I don't think it's still on. Please tell me. It's I not hope still it's on. not. <laughs> this. This is an old series called Inside the Actor Studio. How can I forget? What, what was it on? Bravo. What, what, what station did it air? It on? was on Bravo. <sighs> yes. Is that still going? I yes, I, it has to be going. I don't know. I'm I'm on Friendster most of the time, so I no longer <laughs> know what exists anymore. Um, and what was the? Uh, here's a, a side a side note. What was the Netflix thing that they were going to do? Remember that? And then they canceled it before they ever came out with it. It was a big announcement, and everyone went insane. They were going to do a partner membership thing that was called like. Oh, that's Quick, right. Quickster or yeah, Funster qu- yeah, or yeah, they were Dipster. Gonna have, or... They were going to have next, Netflix was going to be like the streaming, and then the physical product was going to be like Qflix or what? With, <laughs> I don't remember. Quicks, yeah, you're right. It's sort of like Quickster or something but it like got, that. It got, uh, it got mocked so much and went away. So <laughs> and then they were like, I'm still a fan, hey, but it, it went away, yeah. Anyway, this was a TV show uh, 
the guy, he must be like 90 years old now. He was around for a long time. What was his name? Um, Mike, you would know. I met him. Yeah, I had a conversation with you him. You once played him. I did. Uh, he James? Asked, he asked, James, James Brolin. <laughs> Uh, no, James McIntosh inside the actor studio with James Lipton. There it is. James Lipton. James Lipton, named after the T. Anyway, he stole this quiz from Bernard Pivot from the uh, French series Bouillon de Cochelle. Okay, a soup of soup of culture, culture soup. <laughs> uh, yes, culture broth. And uh, here's the questionnaire. It was famous. And, you know, everyone went through this. Paul Newman, uh, Billy Joel, you know, that great oh, actor, gosh, Billy Joel. William he Joel. Was Why was he on Inside the Actor's Studio? I don't know. Look, they were running out of people. There <laughs> were no like, more, more actors left. So let's get right into the quiz and let's learn a little bit about you, Don Burvey. Uh, what is your favorite word? I'm reading these off of note cards that I've stacked on top of my desk right now. As I cross my legs and look over at you seriously, what is your favorite word? Beatific. Interesting. <laughs> I did my uh, my NPR pause there. How did that sound? I was pregnant. <laughs> Have you ever gotten in the in, into your car and put on NPR and there's just silence? You're like, my radio's not working. <laughs> and then someone comes in five seconds later. You're like, come on, man. It can't be that long to pause after you play a Brahms, you know, string quartet. Anyway, number two, what is your least favorite word? Alas. Why? Because something disappointing is going to follow after that. How many times are people saying the word alas to you? Enough. (laughs) You, You had a weirder childhood than I could have ever imagined. Alas. All right. Uh, what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? I thought, I thought, there, was, I thought there was something coming else at the end of that. <laughs> um, uh, coffee. It turns you on which of the three, creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Spiritually and creatively. Okay. <laughs> what turns you off? Fluorescent lights. I agree with that 100%. I will share the words of a, a wise sage. There was a, uh, when I went to college, um, there was a calendar that was distributed by, I believe, by the intramural softball team to raise money. And they had uh, the months of the year where the guys on the softball team. And uh. one, one, I don't know why this was memorable. It was like turn ons, I don't remember, but turn offs was fat butts in sweats. And <laughs> <laughs> it stuck with me that. This guy had one chance to say something <laughs> profound, and that's what he said. <laughs> to his credit, he didn't say male, female. Yeah, he just, just did not like fat butts in sweats. Uh, what is your favorite curse word? Well, you can do one of two things. We can bleep if you want to say your real curse word or, you know, answer however you want. But you have the freedom is what I'm saying. We won't, obviously. My we won't favorite your favorite. My favorite curse word. Isn't that a weird question? Like what? I don't know. Probably, well, I, I, probably what I say the most is, damn it. Oh. Yeah, just like, ah, just a fresh vexation. You know, I uh, I have a solution. I think my wife suggested it. Um, 
but I've taken it up on because I play a lot of tennis, and tennis is it's a profane sport. Seventy percent frustration, you know, as you mm-hmm. miss a shot or whatever, and uh, and I realized that I had been occasionally cursing on court, which I don't want to, you know, on a singles court that's fine, you know, but on a double, you know, when there's people around, you don't want to be doing no. that. No. And so I've taken to just saying nuts. And, and it's actually, it's now embedded in my head, like, ah, oh, nuts, you know, and, and I think people look at me quizzically, but it saves me from saying something that's, uh, you know, could be far, far worse. Believe, yeah. believe me, I have a litany oh. that I used to do. I no longer do it, but. It my was... mom had a famous litany. Uh, <laughs> can you? Oh, yeah, in the car. Are there, yeah. are there any she other would, words that you uh, can I, I'll do the abbreviated version. Oh, she had two, actually. Two, actually. Uh, my sister and I will laugh. We'll occasionally laugh about this. S D N F. She would say that sometimes, <laughs> like literally S D N F, but with the actual word yeah, in there. Sure. And then, uh, uh, and then if there was like a close call and like a car accident or like almost got in a car accident, it would be like, D it, D it to effing hell. That oh, was sure. her. That was her other one. Wow. Yeah. And we remember, I mean, we distinctly remember mom. She probably only said them like a handful of times, but they really made an impression on us. Uh, SDNF. That, I, that should have been my favorite curse word because it was just when mom would say that. Whoa. All right. Moving from that. Love unpleasant you, mom. Stuff. Love you, mom. What sound or noise do you love? I love, uh, I, I love the sound. Uh, it's kind of a, like a melancholy love. Uh, but uh, the sound of crickets, kind of as summer gets, oh yeah, you know, it's yep. like. And my my dad would always say, growing up, he'd say that there's those are the crickets saying, summer's summer's ending, summer's oh, ending. Wow. Ooh, that is and bittersweet. So, yeah, very bittersweet. <laughs> but it's a beautiful sound. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful sound. How do summer. you feel about the cicadas or locusts, depending <laughs> upon where you what what do you want? To I, I I do like that sound. I love that sound. To me, yeah. that is summer. And yeah. I, you know, when I was a kid. Locust, I loved the sound because it meant that it was hot and I was, you know, in my cutoff jean shorts Jorts. wandering around. And, uh, but they, the locusts would perch on the electrical transformers on the telephone poles a Mm -hmm, lot for mm -hmm. some reason. And I thought they were those. I was like, why is that thing giving off that electrical wine? And, but I, I just attributed it to that and I loved it. And to this day, when that sound, it's like, it's still summer. It Mm -hmm. still is. Mm -hmm. So I love it. Uh, what sound or noise do you hate, Pastor Don? <laughs> I hate the sound of w- m- my children whining. <laughs> what? What? Just and like when like they're that. like kind of, but it's like more than whining. It's like out of control, sort of like like they didn't get what they want. Just screaming, sort of scream yeah. whining. Yeah, I hate yeah. that sound because it's just like what am I? It's like you feel like just defeated as a human, and <laughs> like I can't control this little person. <laughs> And like, you know, I cannot cajole them into like just being quiet and and like having some chill. And it, I assume saps your energy. You have only a certain amount oh, of energy for oh, the day, like, and then like your batteries, just, you get to see them. <laughs> <They're, drain>. They <laughs> go way down when I just hear that, and they're fighting, and you're just like, oh god, stop, please stop. I know. Oh. All right, what profession other than you than your own would you like to attempt? Wow, big oh. big pause there. I'd they? like to draw. I'd like to be the driver of the uh, of, of the light rail lane, line, the light rail train. <laughs> Come on, yeah. 
No, seriously? Yeah, it's like driving a train. It's cool. Like a conductor, but you don't have to go all over the country. So you just want to sit in that car and like... Try, yeah, you're driving you, a train, you know? You're are like, you driving it though? How much yeah. do you know about this? Pre- Not much, this but profession? I want to drive... You're like driving a train. <laughs> How much does a conductor drive a train? You don't get to have a hat or anything, you know? You, you do don't get, get to a like hat. pull a thing. Yes, you, know? you do. Choo-choo. You kind of do. Do you? Really? So have you looked no, into think, this at all? Uh, I think it would be cool. Okay, fine. You've killed that dream that I said I wanted to <laughs> Good. do. Good. Uh, it would be it fun, I think, to be a, a PA announcer at like a, like a sports sporting event PA announcer. All right, give me some. It's like, and now, starting <laughs> for your Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, there we go. Nice. I like that. Power four, number 23, from Marquette University, with Jimmy Butler. There we go. Nice. Would you have a catchphrase that you could add in there, or is it just like putting the spin on the names? It's just the spin, I think. Yeah. That was well done. Thank you. Yeah. That would be because then you get to watch the games, but you're not like do it like a scorekeeper. You're just a namesayer. Uh, but you get to be, you know, you get to watch sports. I like watching sports. You get to be very close to the action, which is very fun. And I think for basketball, it's much better to watch. The closer you are, the more fun it is. And, um, and you get to like know you sort of become like a like you're like a celebrity, but in a very minor sense, people don't usually know what you look like, but they just know your voice. But you're close to so everyone knows you kind of as like a like a beloved local figure. Right. So when you went to a restaurant, if you wanted to get the attention, yes. you would go like, "I'll have yeah yeah the string beans, I'll <laughs> have a little bit of steak along with it." Yeah. And then you get to know all these players and like kind of people around it. So you sort of get the behind the scenes look. I think that'd be really. Fun. Could you combine both? Could you be conducting? the train and announcing from that little microphone thing and mm-hmm. you just pipe it into the because you could have a monitor there you could do both uh, why it's yes live the dream combine all my loves yeah why why uh, why limit yourself what profession would you not like to do i would not i would not want to be a uh i wouldn't want to be an orderly in a hospital changing bedpans that kind of stuff yeah you know, yeah, they're doing great work. It is. Yeah. It's great work, and it's hard. It's very hard work. Yeah, very I, hard work. I knew a guy who did that at I think it was a VA hospital, and it was it was just emptying pans. He he said it was the it was not a job he'd want to go back to, although he did it for years. All right, here we go. We're wrapping it up. This is question number ten, and I think we've got deep insights into you. But now. We're getting to the heart of it. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Welcome now into the rest prepared for you by my father. Yeah, just, you know. Little tip of the hat. Little tip of the hat. There he is. Yeah. That's what I'd like to hear. There he is. Yeah. Here's this guy. Do you know Ah. a little bit more about me? Yeah, we do. You want to be a train conductor is what I'm taking away (laughs) from all of this. That's a cool job, everyone, right? I'm not. Look, I think all You're, jobs are, you know, if people put gusto into them, I love when people love their jobs, even when you look at it and go, like, I could not do that, but that person is happy in that job is one of my favorite things in the world. Take this job and love it. <laughs> oh, all right. With that, I think we better just end the show. Um, anything else to add before we wrap up? No, this has been another episode of Like Trees Walking, and uh, we will see you on the flip side.